is Buns Take CES, day four. It's January 9th, and our final day here in Las Vegas. I'm Lexi Peary. And I'm Nick McCool. Thank you once again for joining us here at CES. It's been a pleasure to bring you coverage all week long. And as we sing our swan song here tonight, we're joined by several members of our CES team from BU News Service. First of all, Dave Sebastian, who's been covering, why don't you tell us yourself what you've been covering all week, Dave? Sure, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, first week, I've been just going around um, the convention and um, looking into startups and also going to panels and announcements. Uh, I went to Qualcomm's announcement of their new AI-powered um, car dashboard. And generally, um, the theme of this whole trade show seems to be the uh, connectivity of devices. You no longer um, rely on one single technology or device, but you're expected to connect them among each other. So if your phone is great, it must be connected with something else such as your car. And that's how things are likely to be in the future based on the panels I've attended. Nice. What have you thought of CES in general? CES in general, there's really a lot to pick from. For example, this evening, I can't believe I missed um, a really big truck outside of the Las Vegas um, Convention Center. It's a driverless truck, which is pretty terrifying to me personally, <laughs> but it's there and I can't believe I only saw it on my uh, third day, so. There's a lot to see here. There's a lot to see. There's several venues, actually. I think there's 11 official venues here at CES. It's, it's pretty big. It's an absolutely massive event. Dave, I did have a follow-up question because I, I saw in our itinerary today in the number of group chats that we've had throughout the week that there were a couple different government stories or government CES-related stories that you filed and really some fantastic reporting from you. Can you go into that a little bit more? For sure. So this morning I was about to go to a keynote speech at the convention center um, about the future of drones and self-driving technology. And the Secretary of Transportation, um, Elaine Chow, was supposed to attend. And that's what I've been um, waiting for. Um, and that's why I wanted to go to that um, keynote speech. But then I checked my CES app and went to its um, page and it turns out that her name disappeared. So I began to wonder, this is definitely linked to the government shutdown. And I confirmed it with the CTA spokeswoman. And she's so far the highest ranking um, government official to have bailed from CES because of the government shutdown. Aside from her, there are about 10 other officials who have bailed from the show. Thank you very much, Dave. Very interesting development, especially um, in the in the broader context of the Trump administration and their interactions with this conference. Um, a number of other cancellations had, had come through, as you mentioned. We also are joined today by Connor Malbuff, who has been covering entertainment, streaming, flying cars, everything exciting here at CES. Welcome. It's been a wild ride. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, you can probably tell because Lexi was like, what am, What did he do again? <laughs> yes, it was a smorgasbord of uh, things. And if you don't know what that word means, does anyone know what smorgasbord? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's like a, it's it's a like, Danish word. Is it? Anywho, I, I did a, a lot of weird things. That's for sure. Denmark. Okay. Anyways, so, 
Tell yeah. us what you saw, what you today, did today. Yeah. Today was um, hard because uh, Matt and I were going to the big panel. So Variety was ha- Variety the magazine um, was doing this um, entertainment TV, future of TV, future of streaming, SVODs, um, all that kind of stuff. So they were talking about, um, and they had panelists from Hulu, Fandango, YouTube, a company called Toby, which I never heard of. Anywho, they um, basically had all these panelists that were talking about what's the future of TV going to be like. And after all of that, it seems like it's still uncertain. Um, really, it was a lot about conversations about whether or not, you know, Netflix and Hulu, how they navigate advertising in this new digital age, because you and me hate watching advertisements, <laughs> especially when they don't pertain to us. I mean, you know, when you're watching car commercials and you're just like, I can't afford a car. I'm never going to have a Ford pickup yeah. or whatever. Ford F-150 built <laughs> tough. It's like, what? I'm not buying that. So they had a whole conversation about really integrating ads for tailored people and actually talking about artificial intelligence into. So when you say you log into your Hulu account and it says like Connor, Lexi, mom, dad, like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you would click on it and they would know your viewing behaviors and they could build and tailor advertise, for instance, I watch a lot of Castle Rock, which is on Hulu, which is this like dramatic television show. So maybe they would tailor more things that relate to that TV show or that's discussed in that TV show in advertisements. And they're having a conversation of, is this Netflix sort of free model of no advertisements sustainable? And really it probably isn't because that's only one revenue model. So Hulu and YouTube, you know, the guy from YouTube was really interesting because he was talking about, you know, they just integrated YouTube Red and how that's changing. And it was interesting to to see, see and hear because a lot of the time you don't think of YouTube as a streaming site, mm-hmm. but I mean, every, you're, every time you watch a music video, you're streaming music. So they're the largest streaming site in the world. So I forgot about that for a second. Anyways, yeah. enough about entertainment. But the future of TV, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And truthfully, I don't know if they knew what was going to happen. Uh, and then I saw, yeah, I saw Bell and Uber's collaboration on their flying taxi yesterday, which was crazy cool. I got to go inside of it. I almost, not almost, I did kind of break the handle off of the, the oh right no. one. I went to like twist it because I thought it was on the voice. And you know, when you like try to turn the chair. <laughs> so I got into the flying taxi drone. And I try to turn, I try to turn the chair over and it just like, the handle just falls on the ground. And I had to play it cool being like, oh, it's a magnet. Just watch out guys. So everyone behind me was like, oh, it's a, anywho. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see um, the collaboration between like a rideshare program and a, I actually had never heard of Bell prior to this conference. What what is Bell? Bell is a telephone company, but Bell here is like a drone company. So they created this huge thing called a Nexus. I mean, it's like the size of like four pickup trucks and it fits five people. And this company, Bell, is collaborating with Uber to create basically flying Uber ride shares. Because they're saying... When is this starting? Mid-2020s is what they said. And they said it's going to be comparable to the price of an Uber XL. So about $2 per mile. But can you imagine everywhere you look, you're like flying Ubers. So will you be able to select, you can select like Uber Pool, Uber X, Uber Fly. Uber Fly, Uber Drone. (laughs) I don't know. Also, who's driving these things? They say it's going to be autonomous and it's going to be based off software. I mean, there's there's too many smart people here for me. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. I don't know. I, I was like, this is way over my head. I don't trust we'll that. We'll see. It, it seemed like a lot of things at CES were very much like, oh, this is something that might happen or here's something that we expect to see. But it didn't 
a lot of it didn't seem super tangible to me. And so it was just kind of like a lot of flashy things. Yeah. And, and I think speculation that's CES in general. Like I went fair. to Sony's event a couple of days ago and it was very glamorous. They brought Pharrell Williams up and they showed all these great videos and uh, visuals and graphics. But at the end of the day, they announced like three new things. At the end of the day, I think CES is like um, it's like a show off who can who can better who can have the biggest unveil. And now I want to go take a nap. Well, you deserve it. Thank You've you. been doing a lot of work. Well, thanks for here. having me on the show. Yeah, thanks I'm for joining now. us. Bye, guys. Bye. See you later. Thank you very much, Connor. So we also have another remote guest, if you would like to say. Yes. We've will been working hard for us all day on the floor of the CES. Convention. So we'll be hearing from Diego about startups that he's seeing or he was seeing at the time on the floor at CES. Here from the exhibition floor at CES 2019, I'll bring you information about three different startups that caught my attention. My name is Diego Marcano, reporting for BU News Service. I talked with uh, Louis Grignon, uh, co-architect at Con Science Robotics, a French startup that has been working for the past six months to create an AI op operative system that can be installed in different robots. The company has installed this AI into a drone in a 3D printed humanoid robot that um, makes the AI learn different tasks in each one of the robots, but centralizing the information through its model system. To explain a bit more, here we are with uh, Louis Guignon. Science uh, is basically a system you can install on robots. Uh, this system uh, allows robots to, to learn by themselves and uh, communicate what they learn with other robots. They can share uh, how to make coffee, for instance. They can share how to uh, tell a story to a child. And so each time a robot learns a new thing, he will learn to other robots uh, how to do it. What if they rebel against humanity? Actually, your robot uh, won't do something uh, you didn't tell him to do before. He could uh, learn uh, by itself, uh, he could uh, move by itself, but he will only do what you ask for. He, he, if uh, it, it starts to, to tell a story to, to your children, it's because you, uh, you installed what we call an intelligence, um, and you told him that you want him to tell a story from time to time to your children. The company is at the Sands Hall and is currently looking for funds to expand its operations. Next, we have the T-Skin, a wearable device designed by an Italian startup called Tactigon. It is a small gadget you clip into your hand and it can control PowerPoint presentations, robots and even a drone they developed with the University of Milan. I talked with the company's CEO, Maximiliano Bellino, who is expecting to release the product soon in Japan, Europe and the US. We have uh, expectation for release the product. Uh, I think uh, after crowdfunding campaign, we need six months to to bring the product in, the, in the production because uh, we need the funding and uh, we need uh, a, a create a, a, a great software, simple three, four, five simple software, ready to use for the for the for the, the customer. Lastly, this device is for dog lovers. If you had to travel and leave your dogs with your family or friends, you might want to leave this dog camera next to your dog. The device takes a picture every time your dog passes in front of the camera and sends it to your phone. And it has a compartment so that you can give your dog a treat, all through the smartphone app. I talked with the CEO of the company producing pet cakes. His name is Michael Guggen. 
we, we have a complete product prototype. It's working. So we've been working for four months. And we're working literally 18 hours a day. So the resale will be 249. But we launched it on Kickstarter in March for 149. That's it for my update from the startups here at CES 2019. Let's go back to the podcast studio. Thank you, Diego. Lexi, what did you do today? Update for everyone that's been listening in. I rode the Google roller coaster. Yes, how was that? It was interesting. It was really interesting. It was very small world-esque. Aaron and I, we showed up early, we got on the ride. It wasn't much of a wait, thankfully, because I know after we went through, the wait was much longer. It was also very much a marketing stunt, and Google wasn't afraid to kind of make fun of it. In the intro, they said, we're excited for you to go on this really cool ride, but also we all know this is really about marketing, and everyone laughed, and it was great. The ride itself, It takes you on an adventure of a guy using the Google Assistant at every turn of his day when he's at a bakery and he needs to use Google Translate or Google Calendars and Google Maps and everything. Really cool. At the end, they had macaroons and also free Google Home, so it was pretty legit. Yeah, you kind of just glided right over that. (laughs) Macaroons and also (laughs) Google Google Home. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, it's in the mail, so it's not confirmed yet. But You know what? I got I got a backache from carrying around all <laughs> of my cameras. But on another note, I also attended a panel about cities and innovation. The mayor of D.C. was there and also a council member from L.A. So both coasts were represented, and they talked about what their cities are doing to cultivate innovation they kind of want to be the next silicon valley kind of but in their own ways and it was really interesting because they talked about fostering it within their communities by using through public education actually and they talked about the importance of helping younger generations think critically and think creatively to create these technologists that are really prepared to change our future in whatever way it may be it was really interesting it's interesting that you bring that up because i think one of the trends that we've seen a lot of here at ces is integrated technology not just technology for the sake of technology gadgetry for the sake of gadgetry we've really seen a lot of applied innovation so for instance at the esports conference that I went to. They talked a lot about how all kinds of different technology inside of the gaming world have really helped create this kind of subculture of esports, whether it be on Twitch or on YouTube or wherever it happens to manifest itself. But the streamer that I actually had a chance to speak with today, William Scara Lee, a former That's professional gamer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Scara is his codename. Okay. His, what he goes by online. Okay. So Scara is in ear quotes. Okay. Nice guy. Really nice guy. So he's a pro- former professional gamer. He's now a streamer. And he was there talking with a few industry professionals, somebody from NVIDIA who makes processors, Intel, Ditto. A woman from Twitch was there as well. Uh, someone from Razer which makes 
a number of different gaming accessories from mice and keyboards to controllers, monitors, desktops, <coughs> all kinds of stuff. And then they had obviously Scara and then a gentleman named Noah who was from an esports organization, which is essentially a team similar to the Boston Bruins or the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Vegas. Yeah. I really have not enjoyed watching the Vegas Knights <laughs> all week. So thanks for that. <laughs> Give me my Bruins back. But it's, it's, it was really an interesting exploration of, of that different type of technology. Real quick, esports. Yes. Is that video games that are sports or just any kind of video game? That's a really good question. And it's one that I think a lot of people have surrounding esports. Esports specifically speaks to the competitive version of some games. So mm -hmm. there are teams similar to the Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins, that compete for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and they field professional teams win the money and they have humongous fan bases online so it really is becoming a new form of entertainment and that was one of the things that they spoke extensively about today the fact that twitch numbers twitch is the platform that most gamers use to stream their live content mm -hmm. and they essentially just play online for audiences of thousands there's a chat going and they can speak to their fans in real time mm -hmm. it's surpassing traditional sports in terms oh. of viewership by miles you know millions and millions of people tune into twitch every weekend That's so crazy. it really is giving traditional sports a run for their money and in some cases passing them completely from what you've said and kind of what Connor touched on it, it just really seems that the consumers have more control or seem to be getting more control because there seems to be less of a barrier between these gamers or television and advertisers. It seems like it's just a lot more in the consumer's control and that they're a lot closer to the action. It's funny you say that, Lexi, because that is exactly the point that they made today. I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Jason Paul who was with NVIDIA, like I said, who makes some of the processors that are used in these high-end gaming environments. And one of the points that he made was the fact that the reason or one of the reasons that esports and gaming and this culture of Twitch and YouTube, the reason that it's become so successful is because of that ability that gamers and content creators and influencers have to interact with their audience that you don't see from somebody like, you know, LeBron James mm -hmm. or you know, Mookie Betts or whoever it happens to be. They just don't have that ability to go back and forth with their audience, whereas a lot of streamers will, you know, in between games when they're waiting to queue up online in the lobby, they'll read chat and yeah. they'll talk to their fans in real time. And that's something that's previously unheard of as far as entertainment is concerned. Cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Anything else exciting that you saw today? Well, the other thing that I spent today doing is shooting a video with a gentleman that I spoke about on this podcast yesterday, a man by the name of Elad Katav, who is an Israeli immigrant. Uh, he came to Boston three years ago. And he has a company called QPixel, which mm -hmm. launched at this event this year. Uh, they have a product called Sketch. 
And as I mentioned yesterday, it's an AR application that allows you to essentially draw on these mini canvases that slot together and allow you to make gigantic images out of these little cubes. And we shot a little video. Tune into that uh, on BU News Services website. I'm excited to see it. It seems very interesting. We have so much coverage that we've done the past few days. There's been some really great articles and videos and photos by everyone here for BU News Service. So live tweeting all week. Live tweeting. So go through our tweets on our on the BU News Service Twitter account. Also check out the website for all the great content. And we just wanted to say thank you to our professors, Nick Barber and Michelle Johnson, and also the College of Communication at Boston University for letting us come out here. It's been an incredible experience interacting with these professional professionals in technology, but also media professionals. That's been really cool to talk to other technology writers from around the country. Without a doubt, we've gotten the opportunity to speak to a couple members of the Bloomberg Press team um, from their separate project, TikTok. I do want to give a special shout out to the Dean of the College of Communication, yes. Thomas Fiedler, as well as the co-chairs of the Department of Journalism, William McKean and Susan Walker, who have made this entire trip possible alongside our viewers, readers, listeners at BUNewsService.com and at BUNewsService on Twitter. Thank you so much for following us this week. It has been an absolute pleasure to bring you this coverage. Yeah, and tune in next year. I'm sure there'll be a new crop of students coming out, doing great work. Follow along. Without a doubt. And that will do it for Buns Takes CES Day 4 in 2019. Once again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us all week long. I'm Nick McCool. And I'm Lexi Peary. Bye. Bye.